to the Serpent Temple podcast. This is going to be a weekly review. We're going to be looking at three new albums, one of which is going to be Terzic de Horde in One of These I Am. Another one is going to be by Vain FM, This World is Going to Ruin You. And we're going to be looking at the new release by Luna, Strange Machine. So what did you think of Luna Floyd? First and foremost, Nina, how was your week? It was lovely. Thank you. Yeah. I went to see a show. Which oh. I don't normally do. I went to see Dead Can Dance, which was lovely. Oh, with nice. the sweet guys, half of Grave Lines. That was really cool. They were very good live. It was very impressive. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, I was going to watch... Um, Primitive Man? Yeah, I was meant to watch Primitive Man, but was too tired. Um, I've been watching films instead this week. What have you What have you seen? The three shittest films <laughs> released this year. So start with Sonic 2. Amazing. I didn't even know that came out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jim Carrey was really good as uh, Robotnik, though, I will say. Nice. And then uh, then I watched Morbius. Okay, cool. Is that the was... vampire Jared Leto film? Yeah, yeah, cool. which was also absolute dog shit. Nice. And then, uh, yes, yeah, so I watched the new Fantastic Beasts Secret of Dumbledore film. Wonderful. Which, which was two. It was about two hours. It felt about five hours. Fuck J.K. Rowling. I hope you just, enjoyed it. Yeah, fuck. It was just, yeah. Just loads of exposition and shoehorn and Harry Potter references in. But Amazing. enough of that. Enough of that. That's my, That was my week summed up. <laughs> it sounds like we both had interesting weeks. Yeah. But at least we've got good weather at the moment, which is good. It's amazing here in London. Yeah. It's and gorgeous. pretty much the rest of the UK, I'm sure, is probably experiencing the same weather. Indeed. As it is a British podcast, we must discuss the weather or we will have a £50 fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yes, the weather is fantastic. And seen as it's such a nice summery day, I think it's only fitting that we review this new album by Luna first because this album totally gave me kind of summery, kind of psychedelic, kind of yes. rocky vibes. Um, one thing I really like about this album, which I felt like Green Lung kind of hit the nail on the head with as well, is you know taking that kind of old school uh, sort of sound and aesthetic and kind of uh, presenting it in a way that has a much more modern production and um, just more kind of like modern, I don't want to say pop, but like, you know, like uh, accessible kind of just sort of sounds and compositions. Yeah. And it's just, you know, just a really easy kind of vibey album to listen to. So yeah, I enjoyed it. It's, uh, I don't have much experience with a Lunar as a band, I must say. I remember when they kind of come onto the scene so probably, probably about 10 or so years ago, right? I feel like. They've been around for a long time. 2010s, maybe 2009? I think maybe even earlier. Yeah. I, I know they were on a, um, a compilation in 2010, um, on a Terrorizer compilation. Let me quickly check their metal archives. Um, they released a demo in 2007. Oh, there you go. Called Crystal Voyage. Yeah. They formed in 2006. So they've been, they've been around. But Sean joined quite recently. Well, not recently, recently, because it's been a few years now. Um, but it feels, in terms of the history of the band, recent. But now she's really taken it to be her own. Yeah. Like, she really adds to the sound, I think, in a beautiful way. Yeah. And I think, as a vocalist, I think she's just absolutely uh, outstanding. I think she's yeah. just got a really charismatic voice. Uh, there's one track in particular, which probably, in my opinion, um, the one of my favorite tracks on the album, which is uh, Broken Stone. Yeah. It kind of starts with this really cool kind of like tribalistic, like Tom beat and like a really cool bruising bass line. And it's got some really cool like vocal kind of like diversity in there. You've got like that classic kind of doom metal singing style. 
um, like the Whalen, but also like some really cool like falsetto parts as well. Kind of even you... reminds me a bit of Kate Bush at times. You know what? Um, I, what I love about this album is that Sean uses whistle whistle register. I was thinking that. So yeah. I actually had that in my notes. That it sounded a bit like it was in the whistle register. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's really sick. Like I remember, um, I saw like I saw her on Instagram. She's a lovely person. Um, yeah, she was by posting and um, practicing, and I was like, damn, that's fucking cool because it's so hard. It's like actually quite difficult to either train yourself to hit it or to hit it in the first place no one it's actually the least understood vocal technique or one of them anyway because you can't actually see what happens in the throat when you do it like they've tried to do um they've tried to do like like mris of people doing whistle tone and and like they don't really understand at all because you're 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 making your larynx like tiny yeah, because from what I gathered, you've got to basically have absolutely zero tension in the vocal cords to allow the sound to come through, right? I otherwise... think so. I think there's different ways of doing it. I don't yeah. know how to do it, personally. So I'm no. not the person. We have to ask Sean. I'd, I'd love <laughs> to do it. That'd be cool. It'd be really cool. Yeah, there are guys that can do it. Um, no. I was reading about I was reading about on Wikipedia because it's fucking cool and weird. And the person who has the world record of doing the highest one is like this Chinese guy. And I think he did like a G10 or something. Yeah. And like, <laughs> and there was like another woman who did like something like an F12. I don't fucking know. Um, like something on a keyboard. And like it was so high pitched that they didn't have a recording of it, so they don't actually know. <laughs> just, you can't have the world yeah. record for it because you can't hear it. <laughs> you just yeah. know there's some dog somewhere going ape shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I'm gonna do like the highest note ever. Yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. you hear it? Nah, sorry, mate. <laughs> just a chihuahua on the floor, just like losing its mind. Just <laughs> it's blood pouring out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so that's so dark. I wish I never said that. But <laughs> but nah, it's cool. Yeah, I think um, she really, as you said, like her uh, addition to uh, this current lineup and incarnation of the band, I think is really kind of um, uh, ushered in a cool new era of their music and 100%. i feel like um it just totally lends to i think i think the musicianship is pretty damn good on this album as well like the guitars are just super groovy mm. you know it's, it's 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 accessible but not derivative yeah like it's just easy to get into you could just like you know this like i said before this is the perfect weather for an album like this and you know it's i was listening to it again this morning and just kind of just just vibing out with it and you know i think it really helps having a voice as charismatic as sean's because i feel like it just totally elevates it to that next level yeah totally i I don't agree this album should come with like a velvet tassel jumpsuit that you can put on um and dance around in because that is how this album makes me feel um, it's it's a total summer vibe. It's got like that old psych 70s style with like obviously the Sabbath inspired guitar. The guitar tone and the mixing on this is great. Um, so it was mixed at Fall Studios, I think, um, which is like a great place to go to. I really enjoyed the kind of the guitar is like distorted, but then also clean at the same time. You can hear everything in the in the chord and like the way it sits with the vocals. The vocals are like really beautifully polished. I think polished is the is the word I used yeah. for for like just generally how this sounds. It's like it's shiny. It's like fresh velvet. I think it's, yeah, because it's not too fuzzy, is it? Because I feel mm. like, you know, that is something that I think uh, bands of this similar kind of ilk and subgenre kind of fall into sometimes where it's distorted and fuzzy to the point where it's quite hard to pick things out. Yeah. Um, but like even the bass is quite audible and clear, like it's got enough low end in it to so that, so that you know, it provides that kind of, you know, that oomph. But at the same time, like, you know, it's easy to pick up. And I, I think this album actually explores some um, some interesting things in terms of the paces of some of the tracks. Like you've got Psychedelic Expressway, which is more of like a proper like 60s psychedelic vibe, as the title suggests. Uh, and then, you know, the next track afterwards, The Earth Spins, is just, um, you know, almost like a complete 180 and probably opens with, you know, like 
probably the heaviest guitar work on the album you know it's super distorted and you know impactful power chords and you know it's just uh yeah just a good time yeah a good time um yeah we're hoping at some point we can have sean on the podcast it'd be really cool to hear her take on the album as well um i think these guys would work really well in a lineup with green lung for sure that'd be cool i think that would that would go down a storm yeah they should totally totally do that and, you know, I could totally see them fitting in on them. I'm pretty sure they played. They definitely played Damnation before, right? I'm I'm more than certain of. I know they played Bloodstock as well in the Sophie tent. Yeah. Or it might have even been the Jägermeister tent, actually. Um, probably about 2013 or 14. Damn. Yeah, that was that was um, with the old singer, I guess. Yeah. I really would love to see them play. Because I saw them play with the old singer yeah. um, probably like seven years ago. Like a really long time ago at the Unicorn. And they were good. They were great, but I feel like seeing them with Sean would be like a really interesting experience to see the difference in the, because um, I think her voice is like she's a slightly higher. I think she's got a higher range, vocal range, and, and I think, I don't know. I've not seen them live, but yeah, her stuff seems like really energetic, but it still has like that older Luna vibe at the same time. Yeah, and do you know what I was thinking as well? Because I mean, like obviously, I'm not probably the most qualified person to comment on this, but I feel like. It's always great to hear a vocalist that happens to be female kind of like making sure, uh, not making sure, but like, you know, employing, you know, singing techniques that were previously kind of like dominated by male singers. Yeah. Like, you know, like the only other comparison I could think of is, I don't know if you're familiar with this band, but you ever listened to um, Unleash the Archers? Nah. Like kind of like a melodic death metal, power metal band, but like she's got like a proper like Rob Halford style vocal technique yeah, yeah 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 and you know and it's just so cool to hear it because it, it's kind of breaking that mold and showing that you know like just because a singer happens to be female they don't need to be confined to a vocal style like yeah it's just every singer sounds different irrespective of their of their, of their agenda. agenda yeah i mean listen to a band like fucking the darkness or uh, mars volta or michael jackson like a woman could easily sound like that and yeah. a man can easily sound like that too. Like I've had this argument with incels on the internet a lot, um, and they are incels. Um, <laughs> Phil and Selmos. <laughs> damn right. Um, and yeah, they're just like, well, you know, female music sounds the same. It's like the same timbre, same register. It's like, no, that's not what those words don't mean. That honey, like, f- like voices are unique to the body that you inhabit, and that is not a gendered thing. Like yeah. it's just it's just fucking bullshit. Like if you actually know anything about music and you listen to music and you just blindly played a band, someone some people would just you know say that's a woman singing, that's a man singing. You don't know. People have everyone has their own unique voice, and that's what's great about music. That's why we don't just have like one woman singer and one man singer, and we just let them do all the music because they both sound you know that's all men sound like this one man guy and a woman sound like this one woman guy. Yeah, like that's just dumb. And the thing is, and, and it's always been a thing as well. Like, you know, if you look at singers like Tracy Chapman or Nina Simone mm. or, um, you know, um, that band uh, Q Lazarus sang that song Goodbye Horses from uh, Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is such a cool, like, like, because that happens to be a female vocalist and, like, it, but she's got such, like, a deep, a deep resonating yeah. voice. But I think it's strange because you had, like, that period in, like, the um, the early 2000s where I felt like, the only bands that happened to have female singers getting prominence were like bands like Nightwish. Yeah, it was uh, always within like Temptation, the symphonic or operatic. Yeah. And just like, you know, and it's... It was acceptably female. And I think the press actually uh, had a lot of blame for kind of like um, propagating that because mm. they would only really put the spotlight on bands like that. And then you had, you had Arch Enemy were your token harsh vocalist female fronted bands. 
but it's um but no and i think you know we just need to get back to that i think we are slowly getting to that stage Somewhat. where like you know, we're recognizing that, you know, like that actually doesn't fucking matter because if the band is good and the singer is good, then that's what fucking matters. Yeah, it should not be noteworthy. Of the, the singer's gender is, is not something of note. Like there is no there is no such thing as female fronted. It just is not a fucking genre. Like yeah. you cannot describe if it, maybe perhaps some people are, are confusing it with symphonic metal because that's what people tend to describe yeah. because that's the only of like. They were like, oh yeah, it's operatic vocals or it's, you know, high pitched vocals. It's like, well, is that Judas Priest? Yeah. <laughs> are they King female Diamond? fronted? Yeah. King Diamond is female fronted. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you fucking talking about? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we can put that to bed. I think that yeah. was um, <laughs> at the end of that long rant. Perhaps we should go to something suitably angry, which I thought was perhaps Vain FM. The world is going to ruin you. Yep. So Vain FM are an interesting band. So they're from uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, they released an album that was very critically acclaimed in 2018 called Aerozone. Don't know if you ever listened to Aerozone. It comes on in the car occasionally. It's a banger. That it's, so basically, it was what Code Orange done with their album. Was the album called Underneath? I think it was called Underneath, right? No? The one that had Swollen the Rabbit Hole, their latest album. Sham's going to do a quicker... Pull that shit up. Pull that shit up, Jamie, for us. Was it Underneath? It was called... Fuck. Please but it was the latest us. Code Orange <laughs> album. Okay, good. Okay. So they got a lot of attention for kind of what a lot of people thought was pioneering a lot of the older new metal sounds and aesthetics into like a kind of like a hardcore metalcore package. But truth be told, this band Vane, now known as Vane FM, they used to be known as Vane, mm. were kind of doing this already in 2018 with the Arizona album. And, you know, this album uh, is really uh, picking up where they left off. And I think in many ways, this is more of a polished kind of offering than Arizona because that was kind of like a let's chuck a shit ton of ideas at the wall, see what sticks, where this is very much, okay, we are taking a clear direction with this album. And first and foremost, it's really fucking heavy. And uh, I'm quite curious to see what you've got to say about this album because... um, yeah, I felt like th- this album was really um, a head fuck for me in a cool way. It was really interesting. At first I was like, yeah, this is really heavy. This is really brutal. And then he started singing clean. And I was like, wait, what? Is this 2006? Am I an emo again? Like, what's going on? Like, the, the vocals are really emo for me. Um, it was it was a, an absolute mind-bending experience because I love that chaotic. It's so fucking chaotic. Like, heavy, like, bendy, wibbly-wobbly guitar. Like, what's this weird effect they're using now? Why does it sound like someone's, like getting a carving knife and cleaving something into whenever he does like a chord um i love all that shit it was like really industrial as well at times um and yeah like i feel like this is they've they've done a lot of attention to detail and all the guitar effects and all like the the weird crazy shit that's going on i feel like the more i listen to it the more stuff i'm gonna pick out every time i do yeah it's yeah it's definitely um they are one of those bands where i think feel like if you listen to the album uh on repetition then more and more has kind of come to the surface as you do Mm. um yeah it's interesting that you mentioned the email thing because there is i think a definite definite kind of like post-hardcore slash screamo influence on this album and they've even got uh, guest vocals on one track um it's fear in non-fiction which has guest vocals from uh jeff rickley of thursday yeah i googled that and i was like i've never heard of thursday but i'm gonna say it as if i have yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, Jeff Rickley from the band Thursday, of which I know. Yeah, they were quite like a prominent band back in the day. Oh, so like, Thursday okay. were pretty big. Um, 
It's uh, there were so many bands. It was one of those things where there's you got bands that have days in the week in the name that you always get confused. Yeah. Like Thursday, Taken Back Sunday, Wednesday thirteen, <laughs> Wednesday thirteen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your sister Tuesday, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, no, this is uh, I, I I really enjoyed this album. I think yeah, there great. is it, you can hear the botcher influence quite clearly as well. I think botcher oh, bands yeah, massively influential, you know, and I think uh, you know. Uh, are they reformed now, right? Or... Yeah, they have. They have. They're releasing an album. Shem is like Shem is on one of those roles today where he keeps saying no to things that are true. <laughs> they have definitely reformed, and Car Bomb are touring as well, right? I feel like yeah, Butcher. Uh, well, Car Bomb are touring with Butcher. No, wait, oh. no, that that's just like a fantasy of mine. I'm pretty sure yeah. with Frontier <laughs> support as well, right? Oh yes. Yeah. No, I remember like someone saying. I remember seeing. Well, they're doing a re-release. Oh no! Wait, no. They they said they were going to release something, and it was a re-release, and everyone was like, "Oh, you're reforming!" And they didn't say anything for ages, and they were like, "Oh no! Wait, no. Sorry, the, this label is just re- re- reissuing oh, okay. an album." So okay. I got confused. But Carbomb are touring, I think. Cool. Well, that's good to know because uh, Carbomb is sick live. They're fucking amazing. But but I will say, Botch have kind kind of come into prominence now with that news of the re-release, which I think is getting people's ad- appetites wetted to a point where hopefully they might reform but anyway like a uh, vein fm i feel like are a band who kind of like wear their influences quite clearly on their sleeve but kind of morph it and mutate everything into this weird kind of whirlwind, whirlwind mix of just fucking metalcore i've actually got their list of influences down at the bottom which is a direct quote from them so their influences are slipknot corn converge deftones botch Jerome's Dream, no idea who they are, Neil Perry, um, and the Silent Hill 2 soundtrack. <laughs> so specific. And the weird thing about the Silent Hill 2 soundtrack is it was it was created by a guy called Akira Yamaoka. Yeah. And I went to watch this guy live because my partner, Amy, she was big into the Silent Hill soundtrack and he was performing a gig where he was playing all live with a band and it was fucking sick. Like the music was actually pretty legit. That's amazing. So it's um, I could totally I could totally see where they got the Silent Hill two kind of influence from because like the music it's really like disjointed and industrial but has like that guitar element in it as well. That's but sick. it's uh, there's just so many cool moments on this album. Um, like I feel like I need to listen to it like another five times to really fully digest it. Same, yeah. But I love the breakdown on the Killing Womb, which is the single from the track. Uh, it's got a really cool music video as well, which has some pretty cool, like, um, I think stop motion. They're in, like, this dollhouse, and there's, like, this, like, fucking, like, demonic vampiric figure with a knife, like, stabbing. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. <laughs> <laughs> like, trying to stab them, and there's, like, loads of, like, cartoonish blood everywhere and stuff. But the breakdown in that track is absolutely amazing. And um, I feel like this is definitely an album of two parts, because the first part is very... I think kind of abrasive and stop start and you know there's a lot of cool influences like you mentioned the clean vocals like you could definitely hear the chino sort of moreno influence on a lot of the tracks um but then you get to the last two tracks uh wavery and funeral sounds and like the pace slows down mm. tremendously whereas like funeral sound the last track which is the longest track on the album that's about seven minutes um it starts with like these really haunting like piano sort of notes which i think is probably where you can hear some of that silent hill 2 soundtrack influence kicking in um and yeah it's just a really haunting track and there's some clean vocals again and it has this nice crescendo we get to about five minutes in where the bands are kind of firing on all cylinders again but um 
yeah, and it's just uh, that kind of post-hardcore uh, ear for melody and the guitar lines, I think, is prevalent throughout the whole album. It's just a really cool concoction and mix. Yeah, it's really interesting. I was reading that it was mixed by Will Putney, um, who is apparently oh, Grammy Award winning. Will Putney's fit for an autopsy, I think. Yeah. Graphic Nature Audio, yeah. Um, which is, yeah, I think that's it's interesting because I don't know much about like American producers apart from like the really famous ones like Rick Rubin or whatever, Albini. Um, but yeah, this was, this, I thought the mixing was interesting. I really heard the Slipknot corn influence like so much. It literally felt like I was listening to Slipknot as a teenager again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I felt like transported through time. Because yeah, it was um, some really like fucking good tunes and hooks and grooves on this for sure. Yeah, it's, it, in many ways, I feel like it's, Whereas with what they've done with Aerozone was, I think that they left they left kind of like a mark on the scene by kind of shocking everybody with this combination of sounds. I feel like this album is a lot more kind of refined. And don't get me wrong, it's still all over the place and disjointed. But I think, you know, that's why you've got to give so much credit to the rhythm section. Because I feel like the the, the bassist and the, uh, the drummer do such a fantastic job of keeping everything kind of like interwoven and you know together and you keep on the rhythm section grooving and the guitar lines you know uh, are backed up by that low end and that backbone um but it's uh yeah just really uh i super enjoyed this album awesome yeah same should we move on to the next one all right let's this one was my favorite album of the week for sure i really really like this album um, it was your suggestion. I was really, really surprised, like pleasantly. So- Not that I thought it was going to be shit. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, damn, your suggestions are always so bad. It's just a really good suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was going to be like a standard like style. This is cool. But no, I really love this album. This was like a really, really my style kind of album. Yeah, it's um, so Tazij the Horde. Uh, so this album, which is kind of like, I suppose, a mini album. The clock's in about just under 30 minutes. It's consistent of three tracks. I love Two that. of which are over 10 minutes long. Yeah. So it's in one of these, I Am Your Enemy. So they are a Dutch band from Utrecht. Um, and yeah, first time I was exposed to this band was at Roadburn. So they played in 2019. And it was, I spent a long time kind of really enamored with the whole post-black metal thing. It was funny because I, f- I feel like because bands like Death Heaven, we're getting so much flack from, I think, like the more hardcore uh, kind of black milk contingency that kind of made me want to like them even more. So, but like I legitimately did end up getting into like quite a few post black metal bands, such as, um, yeah, obviously Deaf Heaven and, um, oh, what are they called? Uh, Lant Loss as well. Good bands. Um, but yeah, when I saw this band live, I immediately, as soon as I got back um, from the festival, I looked them up online and saw what album was released. I think it was their debut album, Self, which was released in 2015. And it was just totally my sort of shit. I just love the, there's just something about the guitar melodies and that combination of like that, those icy black metal riffs with like that kind of post-hardcore, like melody and sensibilities that just really gets me going. And I think they've kind of elevated their game again on this album because I felt like they've almost uh, infused a fair amount of death metal into this album as well. I think yeah. especially in the first track, like it reminded me of Ulcerate at times. Okay. You know, like that really dissonant kind of like janky, but like super aggressive guitar lines. And you know, like the drums are absolutely furious on this album. It's like nonstop blasting for the most part. And like, I really love the vocals as well. It's like impassioned, almost human, you know, like um, kind of black metal vocal delivery as opposed to like, you know, a more cartoonish, like shrill screams that yeah. are found in some of the, the forefathers of the genre. Yeah. But yeah, no, loved it. Loved it. 
Yeah, I, I fucking loved it. I thought um, I thought it was really well put together and curated. They haven't just done the music and then been like, okay, we'll just do everything else, like whatever, which is what some bands do. They just focus on the music and then everything else isn't as isn't as curated. Whereas this is like, every, I feel like every detail has been taken into account, which is something I adore. Um, as usual, the band, like the, the albums I really love are usually the ones with like loads of Greek mythology and shit in them. And this one has that <laughs> to a great, wonderful degree. Um, so like the first track is called Chiron, which is a reference, I believe, to a centaur who was like, um, like the kind of daddy centaur. He was so, because most centaurs were like fucking drunken, uncontrolled, savage people who would, well, not people, centaurs, who would just like fuck shit up. Like they were not safe to be around. Whereas Chiron um, became like a teacher and he like overcame his nature. Yeah. So he seemed to be like a purveyor of civilization. Um, and like he taught... Um, he taught like a bunch of really famous like Greeks and stuff like Achilles and Ajax and all these people. So he's kind of like, I, f I find, I was reading about what they've written about the album. So Self, the one that you referred to, as um, according to them, it offers different explorations of the shaping, colonizing and destruction and transcendence of the individual self. So it's like about the individual human. Whereas this one, um, in one of these, I'm your enemy, apparently explores how entire worlds are created and destroy, how the powerful shape, dominate and discard collective realities who wields the politics of death. Um, so to me, this is more like of a macro cosmos scale, like what's happening in the world, how how do how does people exist within civilization? So like they're already referencing like civilization and um, like how we are as humans to people around us whereas like the previous one was how we are as humans with ourselves so i thought that was really cool i love this kind of like meta philosophical like self-exploration stuff um and then like yeah i did my thing where i look at the lyrics oh nice um i don't know if, if people want to hear about it feel free to fast forward if you don't um but yeah like the song all the songs i feel kind of spoke to each other um the interesting thing is let me see if i can find it um the interesting thing is that they're talking about Chiron. um Here's the, the first song called Chiron. Chiron, the wounded, the teacher, descendant of deified monsters. We align our stars in his reflection. Our beast blood raging and fatally poisoned, harnessed through fashioning insight, our offering an ever-shifting immortality to empower you, Prometheus. They, later on, they say, we teach the art of sublimation, transforming learning and poison, alchemical fire from blindness and disease. So this is all like full of fucking um not just one myth but like several different ones so like basically um chiron the centaur um he kind of bargains his immortality in exchange for prometheus not dying because prometheus is also seen as like a um as like a teacher of civilization of civilized man because he brings fire to from the gods and he protects humans from the gods as well so like he tricks zeus into accepting like shitty sacrificial offerings so that people can eat meat basically um and like all this, uh, this i just i love him he's such a dickhead but prometheus is actually he's um a descendant of the titans so he's like descended from cronus as is chiron so that's why descendant of deified monsters and basically when chiron sacrifices his life it's when heracles um he's doing his fourth labor so he's basically i think he's got to defeat the aramanthian boar so he goes into this cave on Mount Pelion and he's talking to Pholus to try and get his help. And he's like, he demands wine. He's like, give me some fucking wine. And then all, all Chiron's centaur mates are outside and they smell the wine and they go fucking mental and start killing everybody. So basically Heracles um, and, and Chiron have to fight their way through this crowd of like fucking crazy centaurs. Um, and 
And um, Heracles has these arrows dipped in the Lernian Hydra's blood, which is like super poisonous. Ah, yeah. So that's, that's a, how Chiron dies. This, yeah. So yeah, he's like looking at this arrow being like, damn, it's so weird how these tiny arrows can kill big ass centaurs. And he drops it and it hits his hoof and he fucking dies. Oh, shit. <laughs> and Zeus is like, <laughs> Zeus feels, basically he's also like, he, in, in doing so, there's like different versions of the myth um, where he also, he gives up his immortality willingly so that Prometheus doesn't die. So he can like continue to be Prometheus. Um, but Zeus takes pity on him and makes him into a constellation. And like on the constellation in the sky, you can see Apollo riding on his back and they've got like um, two arrows, bow and arrows. It's really beautiful. There's like, um, I think it's a John Singer Sargent um, oil painting of it. It's fucking beautiful. Or is it Turner? Anyway, who cares? Um, but yeah, this is really cool. That they're, they're like basically referencing that all in one single song. And not only are they just referencing it, for the heck, for like the sake of referencing it, they're doing it in a really clever way. They're being like, "Look at us. We are like these fucking centaurs. Are we going to be Chirons? Are we going to be Prometheuses? What are we going to do? Like, this is what we've got. What we're going to do with it? And like the image of the album cover is a guy in a burning forest. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really cool. They're like really speaking to loads of different things in that yeah. one song. I think it's always cool how bands kind of take something that is kind of revered as like ancient Greek mythology mm. and you know, and make it applicable to things that are kind of like apparent in the real world. Yeah. Just shows that not much has really changed <laughs> in the human condition since that time, has it? It really hasn't, man. Yeah. yeah, I think it's beautiful. I think they, they have like a really amazing grasp of poetry. There's um there's a line in, in the last track, which I took to be kind of about Prometheus I'm not sure if it is it's called Precipice but I'm assuming it's about Prometheus being like fucking despairing of having to have his guts eaten out by, by an eagle constantly um, and like one of the lines is I've molded this being into my image the story's frames are the limits I have set it's like this amazing sense of like self-control and discipline which is something I really like respect and revere um, and I feel like they might be referencing Ode to a Nightingale by Keats but maybe I'm just being too fucking um, clever because that's a really fucking good Keats poem. And it's also about like drinking um, hemlock, but also being like drunk and poisoning yourself and wanting to die and be suicidal and disappear into like the wings of fantasy. So I wonder if they are yeah. referencing that. Maybe they're not. Oh, well, yeah. maybe. Well, at the end of the day, that's how you interpret it. So it's... Uh... Maybe, yeah. How did you interpret it? Yeah, so as always, I skipped over the lyrics. <laughs> nah, it's, um, I actually didn't see... No, I'll look at the lyrics if, if they're posted up. But I didn't see any listed. Where, where did you get them? Uh, metal Archives. Well, they were Metal Archives. Oh, I must have missed that. Yeah. Fuck. It was that or Bandcamp, but that's usually where I go. Yeah, yeah, yeah Bandcamp's a good one. Yeah. yeah. I think people have stopped uploading to uh, Dark Lyrics, haven't they? That's... Oh, my God, I love Dark Lyrics. Yeah, remember that? Dark Lyrics, yeah. Yeah, ours are on Dark Lyrics. It, I felt oh, like yeah. I'd finally made it when we got on Dark <laughs> Lyrics and I could use them to remember my own lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that there are people out there who do this work for the scenes. I think it's great. Yeah, no, it's... But no, it's... Um, so I was just totally encompassed by the music on this album. Like, it was just... Um, I love, love, like kind of that post-metal kind of soundscape and i felt like when i was listening to this on spotify and it had like the um, like a like a moving version of the album cover you know kind of like the burning forest mm. and i think it was just such a great backdrop yeah. to uh, this album because it, it just sounds like just a towering inferno and it actually kind of really reminds me of the uh the uh spectral lore album Oh yeah, I can totally see last that. Last year, yeah. You know, I think it's just that combination of some of the more traditional black metal sensibilities. Like, there's some points, like especially in the last track, uh, "Precipice," but four minutes in, it's there's 
Um, oh, about two minutes 14, sorry. It's got like a really uh, typical kind of like Norwegian black metal riff before yeah. it transitions into a more kind of like post-black metal sort of more euphoric, uh, transcendental riff. Um, but yeah, it's that combination of, of styles, I think, you know, mixing the old with the new, but to create something fresh and I think just really bombastic. I think the whole album in itself is quite bombastic. Like it's just quite an exhilarating listen. Yeah, and it's like you know albums like this. I feel like you know it's three tracks. It's, I, I, it's one of those ones we kind of just have to listen to in one go and just just lay it kind of wash over you. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, transcendental is exactly the word I would use to describe this album for sure. It's like it's beautiful. It's dark. It's sad, but it also there is like a tiny glimmer of hope as well. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's what's cool about you know because obviously you've got. And the black metal scene is such a divisive one, right? Yeah. With, with just, but I feel like it's become quite a diverse beast in the sense that there are bands, bands out there that are doing quite cool things with some of the tropes mm. and facets of the genre. And I think this band is one of them. Yeah. Um, along with bands like Spectral Law and Spectral Wind as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's like totally, um, I felt like just reinvigorating the scene a bit and showing that, you know, like it doesn't need to be some derivative copy of some 90s Norwegian yeah. know, black metal release to be considered a good album. Much in the same way that, you know, like there's some exciting stuff happening in the death metal scene as well. You know, I feel like it's, it's whereas the first album self, I think, was something I would more describe as traditionally like a, a post-black metal. I keep saying post. <laughs> post Malone. Uh, post-black metal albums uh, such as... Uh, that sort of like Deaf Heaven, but I feel like um, this album has kind of toned down some of the more kind of like post-hardcore sensibilities found in that genre and encompassed more of like a well-rounded, just heavy music assault. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's really refreshing as well that they're not, as you say, like I think quite a typical take is to be like, oh, you know, it's humans are awful. They all, we should kill all the humans, like this eco-fascist style. Like, yeah. yeah, we fuck the planet, we should all die. Instead of like, we fuck the planet, but we could just actually learn and be civilized and, and like unfuck the planet, which is probably a bit better. Than uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's never too late for damage limitation, really, isn't yeah. it? Like, because yeah. at the end of the day, even if the world is, let's say, hypothetically speaking, the world is environmentally fucked, yeah. Which I think it is definitely, definitely in danger of being becoming, yeah. or maybe already is, according to some people. At the end of the day, that doesn't mean that we should forsake everything, you know, and that there's still... It's our responsibility to clean it up. Yeah. And, you know, and you, our responsibility to the planet and also to future generations. Because, yeah. like, you know, it's... I think we're in a situation now where we're at a crossroads where um, we need to take kind of immediate action now to make sure that our direct sort of descendants won't be affected by it to the point where it's going to be more or less inhabitable. Yeah. So. Yeah, it fucking sucks. But like, I mean, it's it's not like, we, you know, we're still sitting here on our podcast being like, yeah, we should, we should totally do this thing. But it's, again, it's it's so difficult on an, on an individual level to do that. Yeah. Um, it's it's not, it's easier said than done. But it's it's also better than being like, yeah, we should all just fucking die. Because if everyone did die, tomorrow there'd still be a lot of animals that we could have fucking saved there still could have like we've reintroduced so many species in the last 10 years into the uk 
Like okay. we've got red kites back. We're introducing like otters back into the River Thames. There's like been animals that we thought were extinct coming back because there are rewilding efforts taking place yeah. within the country and all over the world. So why not just do more of that? Why not contribute to that? Go find a place you can volunteer. Like the one of the guys in Morag Tong, he works in like um, e ecological conservation and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that's great. We can all do stuff like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and stop going to zoos and shit as well. Yeah, man. Looking at depressed animals. <laughs> yeah, come come to come to look at us instead. We're depressed animals. <laughs> <laughs> you just watch us on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, so there's enough depressed animals outside the zoo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you listen to black metal, you go to a show. You're in a room of depressed animals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that depressing note, um, any final remarks? No, just a great job. And I think um, I think if Tzij the Horde ever do tour here, I would love to go watch them live. Same. And I feel like there are bands that, you know, not like we've got any real big presence, but I think they're a band that are quite uh, underappreciated and I think just should, should deservedly be a lot more well-known. Yeah, they do. They're a fucking amazing band. Like the musically, yeah. I didn't say enough, but musically they're fucking great. They're really, yeah. really talented. I've, I'm shocked that they're not bigger than they are. Yeah. Well, who knows? Early days, maybe they'll uh, yeah. maybe things will kick off for them. And like I said, you know, it's one of those things where it's interesting how a band like this could play a festival like Roadburn. But I think the interesting thing about Roadburn is it's so easy to blend into the background there because there's so much going on at that fucking there festival. So much, yeah. That it's like you know, I was even looking at the lineup this year. I understand it's not going to have as much star power because of everything uh, going on um, logistically around the world. Um, but it's like. There's just, you're never going to have time to catch everything at that festival. So I feel like it's maybe like a support slot with like a, a bigger band. I think we'll do this band wonders because I feel like I've seen them live myself. I feel like people saw how good they were live and, and on record. I feel like they could gain some serious traction. Definitely. Yeah, 100%. I'm really glad you recommended this album. Oh, thank you. Yeah, cheers. Well, thank you so much, guys, for listening and watching. Feel free to suggest stuff that we should review and look at um, or otherwise. And feel free to like and subscribe. Thank you so much. Till next time. Goodbye. Nice. <laughs>